songs will quiver with the melody of peace. place to hide this weary soul, this bag of bones. I tried with all my might, but I just can't win the fight. I'm slowly drifting, a vagabond. And just when I
Good morning, Taft Avenue. Welcome to Sunday and welcome to church. Please join us as we begin worshiping and stand if you are able.
Good morning, Taft Avenue. My name is Steve Tierney. I'm going to be reading Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in the full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let us pray. God, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to meet together, to meet here with each other and to meet with you, Lord. I ask that we, that you calm our hearts, that we can put aside all the uh, things that are dragging us down uh, outside, whether it's work or whether it's family, Lord, and that we can spend this next hour just focused on you. We thank you that you have forgiven us and that you live inside us, Lord, and that you, you love us. You know what is best for us, and we just are so grateful for that. We pray for the voting that is going on this week, and not only here on our campus, but around the country, Lord, and we just pray that your will is done in that way as well, Lord. We thank you for this country and the opportunities that you have provided for us. We thank you for forgiving our sins, Lord, and we just, uh, we cry out to you and we, uh, we just ask for your forgiveness today. We just ask that uh, you be with those that are sick and that are hurting, Lord. We pray for our friends that are struggling with illnesses, Lord, and we just, we ask you to heal them and to um, restore them to health and to bring them back here to us. I pray for those that are looking for work and, and are uh, struggling in their jobs, Lord, we just ask that you bring them peace, knowing that you have what's best for them in mind, Lord. Uh, we love you. We just are, we give our lives to you. We thank you for uh, just our friends here, the opportunity to meet, and we want to worship you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Perfect submission. Perfect submission. 
as we continue um, praising the Lord this morning, worshiping him through song, I just want to focus our attention on Jesus. This passage that we read in Hebrews, and most of the passages we've read in Hebrews, highlight the idea of holding fast and putting our full assurance of faith in Christ Jesus. As we anticipate this Easter season, let us sing together and let us sing out through these next few songs that Jesus is our living hope. He is our firm foundation. We can put our trust and faith in him and we can sing and lift our praises because we trust him. Let's continue in worship. Roaring love. 
this morning as we come together. Lord, we praise your name. We lift you high, Lord, and we know that only your name can be victory. Father, we put our trust, we put our assurance, we put our faith and our hope in you, Lord. We thank you for this time that we get to be so focused in on who you are and so focused on being with you. I pray that um, as we continue our service that we would be focused on you. That there would be no distraction from being with you. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for this time. Amen. Taft, it's now time to greet a neighbor, so find someone and say hello. Very nice. Great to see everybody this morning. As you probably noticed on your way in, we are a voting site, a site for our community to come and uh, cast their ballots in our community. It's, uh, we, we open the campus up for four days, so Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Um, and the church has been a site for voting for, uh, for decades now. From what I, I had heard all the stories and we had looked on all the records, and it's just a real privilege to be able to do that. One of the things that we want to do as we offer this to our community is um, what we do is on Monday and Tuesday, uh, we come in early, we open up the sanctuary, and we have some signage out there like we do today that just invites people who are from our community that come and cast their ballot here, if they've never been inside our sanctuary, to, to come in and just take a look. It's, uh, we find that people who have been in our room before uh, have more of a chance of coming back. So um, one of the things we like to do when, when we do offer our campus for voting is just to have some waters out, some snacks out, and to open this up. And also just to have some folks that are on hand who can greet and just talk to people. Um, if you are interested in doing that after service, just come talk to me. But we usually have this open all day on um, Monday and Tuesday. So if you're interested in being one of our best foot forward, you're not a foot, but if we want to put our best foot forward, you might be one of those people. So come talk to me after service and we'll figure out an hour or two that maybe you could come in and be a, a host on our site that would help people to find their way on our campus. Anyway, that's a wonderful thing. We're just so excited about uh, being a place where people in our community can come and, uh, and do that. All right, if you have your Bibles, let's open up to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Today, in the book of Hebrews, we continue our series in the book of Hebrews, but we also reach something of an end, a culmination 
of this second major movement in the book of Hebrews. We have talked about the book of Hebrews being all about the greatness of Jesus, that God has offered mediators from the past or has raised up mediators from the past. He sent down angels and messengers and he's raised up prophets and people like Moses and priests and he's raised them up to meet this idea. How can the realm of the earth meet the realm of the heavens? And God has done this in the past, but what we find in Jesus is that Jesus is greater than any mediator that has come before. He's greater than angels whom God has sent down. He's no angel. Jesus is no angel, everybody. Okay, I know. Jesus is not an angel. He is the Son of God. He is, he is the, the, the very manifestation of God, who God is. He's the Son of God. He's he, like Moses. Moses was a servant. Jesus is a son. Jesus is greater. And so Jesus fulfills these mediatory roles from the Old Testament in a better and greater way now than what has happened in the past. And in this talk about Jesus being greater, there have been these three movements that the author of Hebrews wants his people to undertake. And the first movement was the movement out of this slavery, like the people of Egypt, or the people of God that were enslaved in Egypt, into the promised land, this first movement into the promised rest. And what we found is that the people of God were not able to do that because not only did they not have an appropriate guide, but they could not assure that they would be faithful. The last movement, which we'll cover in a couple weeks, is the movement into the city of God. And those who were faithful, like in chapter 11, we're going to talk a lot about chapter 11, but those who were faithful, even though they were faithful, they never found the city of God. They had to wander. They had to go on a journey. They were sojourners in a land. So we had this movement into rest that was unable to accomplish and a movement to the city of God that was unable to accomplish. And what we find in this middle section, we're coming to the end of this middle section today, is the movement from outside of the presence of God into the presence of God. So we have these three movements. And in the Old Testament, moving into the presence of God was was a very complex matter. And we talked about only the high priest, only once a year, could go into the very presence of God. And what we find is that Jesus is going to offer himself as a guide on these three movements to find the rest of God, to get into the presence of God, And ultimately to go to the city of God where you will find this festive gathering and all the people of faith of all time gathering together to worship. And so we come to the end of our second section today as Steve read. And so like I said, if you have your Bibles, we'll open up to Hebrews chapter 10. But this movement, this whole movement actually began in chapter 4 of Hebrews. So this is a long section. Chapter 4 to chapter 10 is this one section of the book of Hebrews, and it has a lot of parallels. Look at, if you don't mind, look at 4.14. I'll read this for you. It has many parallels to our passage today. In 4.14, it says this, since then we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. We'll hear the exact same language here in our passage today, holding fast our confession, having a great high priest. In 4.16, it says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. We're going to hear those words again today. With confidence drawing near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so our passage today offers itself as kind of the second bookend, 
not on the front end, on the back end of our long section of what we are looking for today. And this morning what I want to do is I want to walk through this passage and I want to talk about the lettuce verbs. Anybody in here who likes salads? The lettuce verbs? I'm just kidding. This is as a horrible joke, but lettuce verbs. Let us draw near. Right? Okay, thank you very much. You can you know, strike it from the record. Let, let us hold fast. And let us consider how to stir one another on towards love and goodness. If you really want to know, these are what are called in Greek hortatory subjunctives. Forget it. All right, just strike it all from the record. Let us, yeah, anyway, draw near, hold fast, stir up, which is the title of this message. And what I want to do, and what I've been doing this last week, in Hebrews there's always a lot of background, right? Like we hit these kind of, these kind of divots where we go down into like Melchizedek, and we talk about the temple and all these things that are in there. But today we have this really interesting chance to just reflect on what the author of Hebrews has put before us from the past. What, what has God given to us? What has God provided for us? And now the author of Hebrews says, knowing all of these things that God has provided for us, now let's reflect. Let's think about how we can draw near. Let's think about how we can hold fast. And let's think about how we can stir each other up towards love and good deeds. And this week, I've just been reflecting on this idea. It's kind of a, a nice uh, reprieve a little bit from the book of Hebrews, which is like landing on another planet. Has anybody felt like that at times in Hebrews? I'm like, I don't know who Melchizedek is. I don't know what it's like to, to arrive at a, at a mountain that is, that is glowing and has darkness and gloom and whirlwind around it. Sometimes it's like landing on another planet when we come to the book of Hebrews. But today, there's kind of this familiar place, these familiar encouragements to us. And what I want to do, as we even anticipate the Lord's Supper today, that we use this time as a chance just to reflect a little bit on what Hebrews has been saying about who Jesus is, what he has accomplished, and now what does that mean for you and I as we live in a world that just as soon would not recognize God, would not recognize who Jesus is, but for us as a community that is urged to gather together and to spur one another on to, for us to reflect on this idea of like, what is God moving me towards in this time? So in Hebrews 10, 19, we'll start there, and we're going to look at these three things. But before it commands these three things, that we, would, that we would draw near, that we would hold fast, and that we would consider how to stir one another up, it reminds us of what we already have. And this is the important point. I think this is important because commands from God oftentimes come after we are told what God has already provided for us. That very seldom does God simply say, look, I just said it, do it, just sit down and shut up. Like God doesn't do that. God says, hey, since these things are true, let me give you some urging, some exhortation, some commands. And this is what we get from the author of Hebrews beginning in verse 19. Let's look at that verse. Therefore, brothers and sisters, it's an inclusive term, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over God, before we ever get to any command, any urging, any exhortation, what the author of Hebrews wants to do is remind us 
of this imagery that he has been building over the past 10 chapters, which is showing us that Jesus is greater than these mediators that have mediated access to God through the temple in the past. Jesus is a greater high priest who offers a greater sacrifice himself. And he doesn't do it in the earthly tabernacle. He does it in the truest place of worship, the place where God actually dwells in heaven. He's transitioned from this earthly construct of the tabernacle to the more idealized and heavenly. And this idea that the entryway, look at 2.10.20, by a new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is his flesh, this new and living way. This is such an interesting idea. That in the old tabernacle, there was this curtain that separated even to go from the courtyard into the holy place, and then between the holy place and the holy of holies, there was a curtain. And the only way into the holy place, the holy of holies, was through this curtain. And what the author of Hebrews is saying is, we now have a new entryway. An entryway that was not anticipated in the past and was not available in the past. We have a new way in to the presence of God, and that is through Jesus as the new curtain, the new entryway, through his body, which has been offered as a sacrifice, that is now the new entry point. This reminds me in the Gospel of John, John 14, where Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. That idea that I am the way, this might be something of a a parallel to that idea that the way into the presence of God is now not through a veil or a curtain that is set up in the temple or the tabernacle. The way in to the presence of God is through Jesus. His veil, the veil which is his flesh. And if you look at 1022, this new way in is not because we have been externally modified. It's not because of some kind of ritual cleansing that we have experienced. Look at 10.22. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And this idea that in the book of Leviticus that the priest would have to sprinkle blood not only on the altar but on themselves and then they would have to be washed clean before they entered in. Ezekiel actually talks about this in Ezekiel 34, I'm sorry, Ezekiel 36, where he talks about God is not going to be washing your external body or purifying your external body. What he's going to do, and this is what Jesus does, he goes inside This is not ritual external uh, uh, purification. This is an internal transformation that God is doing through the work of his son Jesus and through the Holy Spirit. That it's not an external cleansing or an external sprinkling of blood. He talks about with our hearts sprinkled clean. Not our bodies or the vessels of the temple. Our hearts are sprinkled clean by the blood of Jesus, and that, our, that we're washed with pure water, this internal work of God. You think about the terms that are here. Look up in verse, um, look up in verse uh, 19. Since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, this internal sense, it goes on to say in verse 22, 
Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance. And so this idea that we are not simply externally made to look like we belong in the temple, we are actually internally changed and cleansed from the inside out. And this is one of the most important things about Christianity and following Jesus, that coming to Jesus does not mean that you get cleaned up on the outside first. What, what it means is you come to Jesus in whatever place you are, and you let him cleanse you from the inside out. And I think sometimes this is why it's hard in a community of people, because we're all in, we've all been cleansed on the inside, but we're all in various stages on the outside. Can, we, can I get an amen to that? Like if you drive down the road, even if you're in a traffic bunch with a bunch of Christians, we're all in various stages of external cleansing, right? We're all in various stages. But the idea is that the way this works is that God thinks that the best way to transform a life is to work from within, cleanse the heart, provide full assurance, and that begins to work out in our lives. It's the backwards way from the Old Testament. The Old Testament was, look, just make it look good on the outside. Just work through here all these external cleansing. And this is why Jesus talks about in the Sermon on the Mount, you have heard it said, but I say to you. You've heard it said, this external thing, this external thing, just keep the law. But I say to you, this is really a matter of the heart. And so what the author of Hebrews is saying is that, look, since we have a high priest who has gone in and done the work so that you can receive internal transformation and internal cleansing, then this is what we do. So what do we have? We have have a great high priest. We've already talked about this. Back in chapter 4, we have a high priest who can sympathize with you. Jesus has experienced what it's like to be a human being. Not just kind of like a human being, an actual human being, where he was tested and tempted. It says that he was tested and tempted in every way, like us, but without sin. So he can, he can relate to you. We talked about him, like how could he experience? He experienced the totality of temptation. Because temptation, when it occurs, when we give in to temptation, we only feel a portion of the force of temptation. When you don't give in to temptation, you feel more and more and more of that temptation because you don't give in. But the moment you give in, you cut off the, the amount of temptation it takes. Jesus never gave in, and thus he felt the full force of temptation. He was tested in every way. That Jesus now, not only is he like us, but he goes unlike us. He goes into the very presence of God. And he says, why don't I go first, and then I'll come back out, and I'll go in with you. So he provides not only a way in, but also a guide. Someone that can hold on to us. Someone that can pull us along into the presence of God. He provides a new pathway, a new entryway into God's presence so that we can have confidence. I think the interesting thing about this word confidence in verse, 20, uh, in verse 21, I'm sorry, in verse 19, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places, this word confidence is interesting because in a technical sense, what this means, it can mean boldness at times. We have boldness to enter in. But in another way, it can also mean we have authorization to enter into the holy places. 
We actually are authorized to go in. I think sometimes we might feel like I'm in the wrong place. Has anybody ever felt that before? You walk into somewhere, you're like, Do, are we supposed to be here? Has anybody ever done that? Yeah. Sometimes, and you're like, I don't know, and I'll, if we're escorted out, we'll know why, right? But this idea that if we, when we come by means of Jesus to God, and you go into the presence of God, that is exactly where you belong. You are authorized. Jesus has made a way, and God has made that way through Jesus. And so being in his presence means you have confidence, you are authorized to go into the presence of God with Jesus. We recognize the awesomeness of God. We don't come nonchalantly, but we come with the confidence that we belong here because Jesus said that we belong here and because the Father has provided this new entryway. So because of these things, these are the things that we have, the author of Hebrews says in 19, 19, 20, and 21. But then he says, because we have these things, he had these three things, let us draw near, let us hold fast, and let us consider how to stir up each other to love and good deeds. These three things, drawing near, holding fast, and stirring up, these are three marks of what really a healthy church looks like. People who draw near, people who hold fast, and people who consider how to stir up. You guys are the stirring up. You're the provokers over, because I, I keep going in this direction. So anyway, we should say draw near, hold fast. You guys are always hold fast and stir up, whatever it is, okay? But these three things, that's what a healthy church looks like. And I would argue also and just make the case that that's what a healthy believer looks like. That as we think about our life of faith in Jesus, that these three things, as we think about them, these three things are the marks of what a healthy life of faith looks like, that we ought to be thinking about drawing near to God, holding fast our faith, and stirring one another up. And so what I want to do is just reflect a little bit on each of these three things. And at the end of today, what I want to do as we come forward for the Lord's Supper is I simply want to ask the question, which of these is the Holy Spirit kind of poking you about? If we're considered to have to poke or stir up or prod each other, we would imagine that the Holy Spirit every once in a while pokes us in a certain direction. And as we reflect on this today to simply ask the question, God, what are you moving in me to respond to? So let's start with this idea of drawing near, verse 22, verse 22. You guys with me today? Draw near, uh, hold fast, and stir up. Let's see what we've got in here today. 1022, let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. I think the first thing about a healthy believer or a healthy gathering of people has to do with the reason why we're here. And I think sometimes, if, the, if you're like me, Sometimes in our lives of faith, there's so many good and important things. I mean, I went to school for a long time. I went to seminary. I did a PhD. There's so many good things. There's so many books of the Bible. There's so many background information to learn. And sometimes in here, we kind of get in the weeds and we talk through background information. And what does first century Judaism look like? And what does the Greco-Roman world look like? And there's all kinds of great things. And there's all kinds of great books of the Bible. And there's all kinds of things to read in the Bible. 
And at the same time, uh, there are, you know, we, I think when we talk about who God is, there's so many great things to know about God, about what God is like and who God is. I think the idea of talking about Jesus and knowing what he did and what that means, those are, these are all great things to know. Even about our world, like even in our world, we have all kinds of culture wars going on. And the idea of knowing what we believe about things like, uh, gosh, even things like having a right view of what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to have a, a biblical sexual ethic? What does it mean to talk about a biblical view of, of gender? What does it mean to raise your children in a proper way, in a right way, in a God-honoring way? What does it mean to, to deal with our finances in a God-honoring way? I mean, these are all awesome. Can we get an amen? Like, these are all awesome things. Thank you. I appreciate that. At the same time, that's not the main reason why we're here. That's not, those are not the main reason why Jesus came and died on the cross. Those are not the main thing. You know what the main thing is? That we would draw near to God. That we wouldn't just talk about Him or just think about Him or focus on we just have to be right about everything. That's not the reason why Jesus came. Jesus came so that you, anywhere on the face of this planet, could stop and just recognize, I am in the presence of God, and I offer myself to you, Father. You don't have to go to a temple. You don't even have to go into this room. You could do it anywhere. You could do it right outside the door. You could do it, out. You could do it anywhere. You could do it a yard from the gate of hell. And God would hear your prayer, because that's why Jesus came. Not just so you could be right, not just so that I could share really interesting tidbits as much as you might like that, right? But it's, that's not why Jesus came. He came, and this is one of the important things as we gather together, we don't just gather together so we can have great community and friendship. Like, look, all of these things are great byproducts of one really important thing, of the central thing. It's great that you have friends. It's great that we love each other. That's wonderful. And that certainly is part. It's a byproduct. But the main thing is this, that we would know the one true God and Jesus Christ who he sent. That we would have an encounter with God now, there's wonderful byproducts that come because once you find yourself in the presence of God, you look around, you're like, hey, there's, cool, there's great people here that are, that are all, we're all looking at the same thing and we're all going in the same direction. That's what we call community. But when the reason why we come to church is for community and that's the only reason, we have missed the main point. When the only reason we study the Bible is so that we can be right in the culture wars, we have missed the point the point is, God has given us all of this because he wants to have a relationship with us. Augustine had a really interesting analogy about this. St. Augustine, back in the 4th century, he had this really interesting analogy. And he talked about theologians as they were, they were hedge keepers. And in his analogy, if you had a field 
Because in the ancient world, if you didn't have a lot of rocks and you wanted to build a fence, you might not have had a lot of wood. So what you did was you, you planted a hedge around your field. And you have a field, and the field is wonderful. I love the field. And what I would do to protect my field is I would build a hedge around my field. Now, look, the reason why you have a field is so that you can you can build a house, you can lay down, you can, do, you can raise crops, all these things. But what he says is that sometimes when we think about God, all we do is try to keep the hedge. We just go around and we're just, we're just hedge keepers. When at the end of the day, what do you need to do? At the end of the day, the reason why you have a field is to go lay down in the field. Not to work the hedge. Can you imagine if it was like, I'm working the hedge, I'm out there and I'm planting and I'm clipping, and like Kelly says, hey, Craig, it's time to come in. I said, you know, I think I'm just going to go sleep in the hedge. You know, I think I'm just going to stay out here and I'm just gonna, there's a few more things I need to do without ever coming in and enjoying what is mine to be had. And this idea that sometimes we neglect the ideas of coming before God, sitting, just simple prayer, simple listening, for the sake of all of the hedge work of theology and apologetics. Now, I'm not saying those are bad things. Look, I've spent a lot of my life doing that. But what I'm here to tell you is that those are byproducts. That is not the thing. The thing is that we would come and we would simply, in the morning, just say, God, here I am what do you have for me today? And sit and listen, just for 30 seconds or so. And after 30 seconds go by, whether you hear something or not, I know that I've been in the presence of God. Thank you, God, amen. And go on with your day. That, that's, if that's all you do in a day, that's a, that's a great day. You have done the purpose of why God has made you. And maybe over time that grows and grows and grows. But the point of coming into this room is not so you can get smarter or that you can answer the critics or that, you, I mean, those are all things that happen and people have vocations that do that. But the reason why you're here is so you can have an encounter with the living God through Jesus and through the Holy Spirit. That's why we're here. And the author of Hebrews seems to know that. Since we have such a great high priest and since we've had our hearts sprinkled the very first thing we should do is get in the library and read. No! The very first thing we should do is we should draw near to God. Draw near. And even as we think about this, um, when we think about drawing near, and just thinking about this idea, like, how is it that you have been drawing near? I would imagine in this room, we have a lot of great ideas about drawing near, and you've probably practiced those in your lifetime. And even right now, there might be something or a practice that you do. Maybe there's a form of prayer that you do. Maybe acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. You have this pattern of prayer. Or maybe you say the Lord's Prayer every day. Or maybe you offer yourself to Him every day. Whatever it is, there's so many different ways. But I suppose the question that I would ask you is simply this. How have you been drawing near to God intentionally? We know that God is looking for us. How have we been drawing near? How have you been drawing near? It's a fair question as we get to this point in the book of Hebrews. How is it that I have been drawing near to God? Or have I been getting off track? Good things, but not the central thing. It's okay, it's okay, like, that's okay. God always rejoices that you come. So, 
that's our first point of reflection. How have we, how have you been drawing near? God, and again, if you've been off track, God rejoices that you come, no matter how forgetful you may have been. You can still come, even if you've been off track, you can still come with full assurance and confidence. You are still authorized to go in the presence of God. It's okay. God, God would expect that. So the first, let us draw near. Let us draw near. Okay, second thing. Is that, again, I don't want to be heavy-handed or anything like that, but I do want to focus. I want to focus us on that. All right, second thing. Okay, second thing. So we already talked about drawing near. Let's talk about holding fast. Look at 10.23. 10.23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us hold fast. This first verb, let us draw near. This verb, let us hold fast. Let us hold on. The conviction, so there's two things about holding fast with this verb, what this means. And it involves two things. It it involves conviction to hold on and the endurance to hold on. Conviction to hold on and endurance to hold on. Let me just talk briefly about conviction, but what I want to spend more about is endurance. But here's the conviction. We, we hold on to things because we have some kind of internal motivation, some conviction that they are worth holding on to. I think this is one of the things that we want to, that we want to do when we think about raising our children is not just giving them all the external tools that are necessary to follow the Lord, but we want in some way to kind of cultivate the idea that this is something valuable to be held onto. That in order to hold fast to our confession, there's the first thing is simply the idea that we need to have some kind of conviction that this is a valuable thing to hold on to, that Jesus is supreme. That Jesus is greater, that Jesus is indeed the way to the Father, and that is worth holding on to. I think as we we lament, I think if you're like me, maybe you hear different Christians, whether it's on social media or you read in books or magazines or whatever. Does anybody read a magazine these days? I read an article online or a portion of an article online, which is kind of the way I roll, right? You say, I read this online. You're like, a portion of an article. Okay, Um, but the idea that, that... um, that young people are, are leaving the church in droves, and that people, kids who grew up in church, they get to college and they, they move away, and I think that, that happens. I, maybe that is overstated, maybe it's not, but I do think that the one thing is not that they, have, they, they go into college without ideas in their minds. I think there's plenty of information that is given. I wonder if one thing that we haven't done, or one thing that maybe we ought to consider is this idea that Have we created any sense of value or the idea that encountering God is a valuable thing to hold on to? That God, that what Jesus, God has done in Jesus is something that has value in my life. So this idea that we we hold fast because of one conviction. But we also hold fast by means of enduring and I think for me, as I, um, I've, been in, I've been in middle age for quite some time now. I don't know when you start middle age. Does anybody know? How many people feel like they're in middle age right now? Okay, fair enough. Middle age, I know, I know. 
Um, one of the interesting things about middle age is that it's the least glamorous of all ages. It's, it's the longest portion, right? You have kids, and it's just like, hit the grind, right? You, while the kids are young, you're like physically tired, and as they grow up, you have to emotionally work it through, right? Your tiredness shifts, but it's just a long period of tiredness, okay? Any amens to that? Some of you guys who have been further down the road, you know what I'm talking about. But this idea, it's, it's one of these things that we would call what Eugene Peterson calls in the Christian faith, he calls discipleship a long obedience in the same direction. And I think where we're at, whether you are, whether you're young or whether you're old, if, if you're young, there, there might be a lot of things that are going on in your life, but you're entering into a time where there's simply preparing for a long obedience to God. A long obedience. And some of you guys are in the middle of that. And God, praise the Lord, at some, some of you are anticipating that you're nearing the end of a long obedience. And we rejoice and we celebrate that God, that you've been wonderful lives that have been lived in faith. But this idea that a life of faith is a life of long obedience. And long obedience means not only having the conviction, but the endurance to hold on to something, to hold fast. Faithfulness over the long haul every day might not be cataclysmic transformation. I think, you know, in my youth, when I came to faith when I was 14 years old, it felt like there was a massive shift in my life. And following God, when there's a massive shift, you're like, everything is new, this is awesome. But in the days of long obedience, it can feel like, Man, today is a lot like the day before. And tomorrow's going to be a lot like the day before as well. And it's just going to be this long obedience, grinding in the same direction. And I, I want to give us a little bit of a, some encouragement in that time. If you're in that period, like if you just had a, a baby, you're tired. Praise the Lord. You're tired. Love you guys. I see you. God sees you. But you're, you know you're at the beginning of a long obedience, right? Let me just give you a little encouragement, a little encouragement, wherever you're at in this, because we're all at a various stage in that. James Clear wrote a book called Atomic Habits. And he says this, it's easy to focus on one defining moment and underestimate the value of making small improvements on a daily basis. He says, improving by 1% every day isn't particularly notable. Sometimes it isn't even noticeable from day to day. But it can be more, far more meaningful. The difference in a tiny improvement makes over time is astounding. If you get 1% better each day at something, for one year, you will end up 37 times better at that thing by the end of the year. 37 times! Like, we oftentimes underestimate what we can accomplish over the course of a year, or five years, or over 10 years. Even when I came here to Taft for the first year, I was like, look, we're not thinking about the first year or even the first five, or five years. We're thinking about 10 years. What can we accomplish here? If we think about being faithful every day, 
1% better every day, 1% better every week in what we do, what can we see? I tell this to my Greek students all the time because when they come in, they're trying to, it's all Greek, right? It's all Greek to them. Um, and you're trying to read, and it's a different alphabet, and it's a different script, and the whole thing. And I was just with my Greek students this last week, and we were reading through a passage. We were actually reading through this because we were talking about hortatory subjunctives. And so we were reading through this, and I was like, hey, just stop for a second. And just think back to that first week in October when we started Greek, and you were trying to pronounce a word, and you were just kind of working through it. Proserkothometh right? That you're just one word at a time. But now not only are you able to see that whole word and know what it is, but you can see a whole phrase and know what it is. It can feel, and I, I was letting them know, like it can feel like a grind every week that it's just, i never getting better and better, but if you step back, you say, look at where I, we've come from. Look at what I knew then, look at what I know now. Let us hold fast with conviction that we belong in the presence of God and knowing that as we practice going into the presence of God, that we actually get better at it, better and better at it, that God, that his grace seems more real to us, that his forgiveness is more meaningful to us, that we are more and more thankful, 1% better every day. Every week you come here, that it might be 1% better, that over time there would be great gains and you would recognize God has done a work in my life. Is there anybody in here right now, you're like, I, as I think about where I was and where I am, God has done a work. Show a hand. Amen. Right? Over time, God has done a great thing. And sometimes just week to week, day to day, it's not even noticeable. But over time, guys, let's hold fast. Hold fast. It is not for nothing that you are in a long obedience in this world. And if you're preparing for a long obedience, just know, look, it's going to take, there's different muscles at the beginning, there's different muscles in the middle, and there's different muscles at the end. God will be faithful. God will be faithful. Let us hold fast. I've been running. I know. Check it out, everybody. I'm doing a relay race with 11 other pastors. I think I mentioned this. It's called a Ragnar race. You guys are like, this guy's an idiot. Um, I'm doing a relay race with 11 other pastors. It's a race from San Diego to Huntington Beach. And uh, there's 12 of us. Each of us, 12 people, we, we run three legs. And I have about 13 miles that I'll be running in a 24-hour period. I think right now my leg, I'm like running through the middle of Carlsbad at like 2 a.m. or something like that. Okay, anyway. Um, but when I started to run and to train for this in September, you know what I did? I would run a tenth of a mile, and then I'd walk a tenth of a mile. Because I hadn't done this. I hadn't run in a long, long time, everybody. I know you look at me, you're like, you're totally fit, Pastor Craig. No, um, but I hadn't run in a long time. I had, I had hiked or walked or whatever, but, um, but I would, so I hadn't run. I hadn't run in years. And so I would run a tenth of a mile, and then I'd walk a tenth of a mile. And then I'd run a tenth of a mile, and I'd walk a tenth of a mile. And I'd do that for about a mile, and then I'd say, okay, I'm done. That's a good one for the day. And then the next day, or, or I do this every other day, and I just add a little bit. I'd either add the amount of time I ran and try to shorten the amount of time I walked. And I would just do this every other day. 
And what I, I, and I've kept track of this, so let me just, a little report card here. Self-report, self-report. So, um, so basically, I did that uh, one mile, uh, where am I at? Gradually increasing the distance I ran, decreasing the distance I walked. So after, after four weeks, after four weeks, having not run before, but after four weeks, I was running uh, three miles with no walking. Okay, three miles with no walking. No applause, thank you very much. Okay. <laughs> three miles, yeah, 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 there. There you go. So it's like Olympic, some kind of Olympian here. Okay, now after eight weeks, I was running six miles with no walking. Six miles, that's pretty good. I'm like, I had no idea I could do it. That was after eight weeks of just slow, like I started by walking a tenth of a mile and then running a tenth of a mile and alternating. After time, and it was slow, it was slow, it was slow. It was week after week, day after day. But after some time, I was up there. And then in November, I hurt my calf. I know, I know. I, look, I appreciate you guys being in this with me. So I rested, and I did some recovery stuff. And you know what? I did a little recovery stuff, and as I felt better, I did more and more and more. And then I started walking, and then I started increasing the distance and stretching and doing all these things and recovering. And I would do, and then I started over again. A little bit at a time of running, a little bit at a time of walking. And you know what started to happen? I started running longer and walking less. And so this last Friday, I ran six miles again. And so my plan, I'm going to keep going and going and going. And I have better ideas about how to do it. Like, I'm, like slow your pace down. Don't, like, listen to your body. These are all the things that you're supposed to do. Like, listen to your body. Who does that? Okay. Anyway, but all that to say, all that to say, I could tell the same thing about how I learned to play the guitar. I was horrible. And then I practiced day after day. Imperceptible Day after day, it was almost not noticeable how bad I was. Like, I, you notice how bad I was, but how much better I was getting. But eventually, over time, you start to get comfortable. Everybody up here who plays an instrument would probably say the same thing. It took time. And so as we are here today and we think about holding fast, what is something that you want to do over time that maybe you want to just start today? You don't have to do everything. I would even say you can't do everything, but you can, you can get started at a 1% level. Why not? Maybe it's this. Maybe, and we, we started this maybe in the fall, that this idea that um, set alarm every day. If, if the goal is to get into the presence of God, maybe just set an alarm every day, maybe 8 a.m., where you just say, what I'm going to do is I'm going to stop and I'm going to present myself to God. God, here I am, and I'm just going to listen for one minute. You do that, that's a, that's a great start. Maybe you add to that, maybe you do that for a week. And then maybe you add to that the next week, you say, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do that and I'm going to say the Lord's Prayer after that. I'm going to present myself to God, I'm going to listen, I'm going to say the Lord's Prayer. Do that for a week. And then maybe on week three, you maybe take a line of the Lord's Prayer, you do the first thing, you listen to God, you say the Lord's Prayer, you take one line of the Lord's Prayer, you expand on it, you ask God for something, you talk to God about something. Then maybe say maybe you get like a little journal like these. These are what I use. They're little moleskin journals. I was when we were praying today. No moles have been harmed in the making of this journal. Okay, but these little these little journals. We actually we give we gave these we give these to our youth when they go up to Hume. These little journals. Maybe you want to write down the things that you're praying about. Maybe you want to write down the things that have been standing out to you. Maybe as you read in Scripture, you just want to add write those things down. One percent. You don't have to start it all right now. Just start something. 
and just try to build a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. Don't try to do a bunch more, just a little bit at a time. So let us draw near and let us hold fast. And the very last thing is this. Let us stir up one another. Look at verse 24. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is a really interesting verse when it says, let us consider how to stir up one another. The word for stir up is actually a really sticky one. If you look at all the translations that are out there, they all translate it differently. RESV says to stir up one another. The NIV, if you have that, it says to spur on one another. If you're reading the New American Standard, it says to stimulate one another. In the Common English Bible, it says to motivate one another. And then I think my, I don't even know if I, this is my favorite, but it's also my most terrifying. Uh, the New Revised Standard in the King James says, let us consider how to provoke one another. I feel like I don't need, I don't need to tell my people that they need to learn to provoke people, right? Okay, no, but, but the idea is that it doesn't provoke, we're not provoking each other to rivalry, by the way, the same word is used when, you tr- when you're sitting on top of a horse and you want the horse to go and you kick your heels into it, that's the word. Let us consider how to kick our heels into each other. <laughs> that's kind of gross. Okay, but let's consider how to provoke each other. But it's not provoking to rivalry or provoking like you would imagine provoking to anger. It's provoking to love and to good works toward love and good deeds. The funny thing here is that the actual, the main verb is not to provoke. It's just a word in there. The main, the main word in here is let us give careful attention to. And this is interesting because let us draw near, let us hold fast, and let us give careful attention to one another. How we might stir each other up is how it reads in Greek. Man, have you, have you thought about this idea of just giving careful attention to each other? To the person on your right or your left, just paying special attention to them? Like, I would just ask you, like, is there anyone in your life that is spurring you on or stirring you up toward love and good deeds. And in community, you are paying special attention to, to stir up or to push forward, to spur on. Again, I think these three, these three things are what a community people who are in it to draw near to God. The main thing that we are called to do, the main thing that Jesus has come to provide us with is access to God the Father. Not just to forgive our sins. Forgiveness, you're like, I, Jesus came to forgive me my sins. No, he didn't. He came to bring you to God. So go to God. Thank him for the sins. Thank him for forgiving sins. But go to God. Are you holding fast? And are you paying attention, special attention to the people in our community that they might be stirred up towards love and good deeds. And I think as we, 
I don't have much time to go with the COVID verse, like not meeting together. Like I, I don't even want to open that. Like not, this verse, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Like I feel like we're back in 2020 and we're fighting with each other. Let's not do that. Like we, we, now that we can't, now, like we're going to meet together. And we have a, we have a sanctuary that's built for a pandemic. So um, anyway, <laughs> all right, guys, come on, hang with me here, everybody. I'm trying to, too soon? Is this too soon? Okay, maybe it is. Um, all right. So those three things, as we come, we're going to have a chance to come for the Lord's Supper, okay? And I want to invite the worship team to come on up. And what I want to do, I, this is the interesting thing, as we think about coming into the presence of God, like Jesus has actually invited us to participate in his sacrifice. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This is the cup of my blood, the new covenant poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This is an invitation to come and participate in his sacrifice, but also to come into the presence of God. And today as we think about responding, as we think about participating in the Lord's Supper by invitation of Jesus, to just ask the question, which of these three things do I feel like God is putting on my heart to kind of lean into? Like, is it drawing near? Like, hey, I feel like I need a plan, a 1% better plan every day to draw near to God. Maybe it's about prayer. Maybe it's about Bible reading. Maybe it's about journaling. Maybe it's about something, just identifying those things. What about holding fast? Do I feel like, hey, maybe I'm in a place of where I need some conviction about something? Drawing near or holding fast. Or maybe it's this idea about Am I paying attention to the people around me? Maybe God is putting on my heart to just pay attention and how I can be stirred up towards love and good deeds and how God can stir up another people through, through my speech or my conduct, how that might stir other people to love and good deeds. And so as the worship team plays, what we're going to do is you can come down, you can take of the elements and take them back to your seats. And then as, we, um, as you have some time to reflect then I'll come back up and we'll all partake together. We'll all take the bread and the cup together, but this is a chance for reflection. So we're not in a hurry, but just come down as you're able and as you are um, at the timing that you want to, and let's just ask and just pay attention to what God is doing in our hearts through this passage. So let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for giving the gift of your son, Jesus. We recognize Jesus is greater than any other thing that presumably could bring us to you. We recognize Jesus is the one and only. Jesus is the greatest. And Jesus offers a pathway, a new and living way into your presence. We want to take advantage of that every day, as many moments of a day that we possibly can. But we start just now. We are in your presence. We come by your invitation and we ask that your spirit would speak to us about how we might respond. As you're ready, come and take the elements.
again, this is why we're here. We're here just to pay some attention to what God is doing in our lives and just to ask him, is there anything that you would have me do? Is there any way you would have me respond to this idea of drawing near, holding fast, or considering how to spur on? We just recognize that Jesus has invited us to this. It's one of the most beautiful things I could think that Jesus would invite me to a meal. And no matter where you're coming from today, God always rejoices that you come. No matter how forgetful you may have been, no matter where you're at, it's his great joy because he has gone to such great, such great lengths to allow you in by a new and living way. And then we get to do it in a community of people. Not a single person who came up to take these elements is immune to the idea that they are in need of what God has in their lives. There's no one in here greater than another. Not, all, not even, not me, I'm on, whatever, I'm on stage, we're on stage. We're all taking this together because we all recognize that we are in need of God's grace in our lives. And so we respond to what Jesus says. The Apostle Paul says, I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's do this together in remembrance of Jesus. In the same way also he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's remember Jesus. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes and we say, Come, Lord Jesus. Come soon. Come quickly. Father, we're so grateful that you would provide this new way that by the blood of Jesus, we might have a new and living pathway into your presence. We, pay, we pray that we might wear out that path into your presence weekly, daily, moment by moment, you would move in our hearts to make those small changes that compound over time. Help us as we are in a long obedience. Give us the graces we need today for all in here, for all the needs. You know what they are. Would you wash down the, your compassion on this room that no one would be alone in here? We love you, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. If you're able, why don't you stand as we sing this song of response. I count on one thing, the same God that never fails, 
will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God who's never late is working all things out. Working all things out. community love to have a chance to get to know you 
If you text 90 to 94,000, text TAF Connect, no spaces. Uh, it'll send an email through our system and we'll get a chance to um, connect with you and find out a little bit more about you, maybe get a cup of coffee or something like that. A few announcements as we move into this Easter season. So um, we do have a women's, uh, I brought up my notes, I should probably look at this. Uh, we have a women's meal preparation. Our women's ministry is filling our freezer with meals for people who are in need. By the way, if there, you do know someone who has a need, Go into that freezer. Well, you can't do it today because there's voting going on. All right, forget everything I'm saying. Um, anyway, women's ministry is going to have a meal prep day on March 16th. It's in your bulletin, 9 a.m. to 12.30. You can go there and uh, be part of that. It's a wonderful time. Also, with Easter coming up, we have our children's ministry is doing an Easter party on Easter Sunday um, during our service, and then we have an egg hunt afterwards, and we'll have a breakfast and the whole shoot and match, but we have volunteer opportunities within our children's ministry. Love for you to participate and to talk to Marsha about being part of that. We're just a great time for us to reach out to our children's house, a great time uh, to connect with those families over there and families from our community and even families from in here. So love to have you do that. We have a couple of other things that I just wanted to keep you informed of. Um, next week is the... Um, is the Scott Edelman Memorial. It's right after the service. It'll be in the community center. Also next week, now if, you're, if you use your phone as your alarm in the morning, you're good to go. If you don't, the time changes next week, okay? So um, just be prepared. It's, the, it's not the one where like if it happens, you show up early for something. It's if it happens, you show up late for something, okay? It's not like the fall one. The fall one is like, hey, I got here an hour early. This will be you getting here an hour late. So Anyway, time change is next week as well. So that is happening next week. Also, if you are interested in being part of just our on-campus welcome crew for our voting, uh, our voting stuff on Monday and Tuesday, just come talk to me after the service, and we'll put a schedule together. But it's going to be a great time, okay? All right, Ephesians is a place where we're going to look at our, for our benediction today. It says this, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Go in God's grace today. Have a great day.